0: Five things we learned from the Aggies win over the Hurricanes on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. You are locked on Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Joey Ice. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. I'd like to also thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockedoncollege. Terms and conditions may apply. And we are joined again today by my buddy Cameron Honesty from the Aggies Wire. And Cameron, we learned a few things about the Aggies in this matchup against the Miami Hurricanes this past Saturday. So we're going to go through. You put an article together for us at Aggies Wire entitled, Five Things We Learned from the Aggies' 17-9 to Victory Over the Miami Hurricanes. And the first item on that list is... Imagine that it's talking about the quarterback (laughs) and the headline there is Max Johnson may just be the answer at quarterback after all talk to me a little bit about that. Cameron, tell me what we learned about Max Johnson against the hurricanes. Well, you know,
1: hallelujah. You know, I mean, we finally got to the point where, you know, we're, we're going into week four and personally, I don't think we have to talk about the quarterback situation until further notice, because we saw a performance from Max Johnson, the LSU transfer that, you know, statistically wasn't beautiful. I think he completed only 50% of his passes for 140 yards and a touchdown, but there was a zero next to that one touchdown and that's zero interceptions. That's the first thing I looked at was ball security was a must going into this matchup against a Miami hurricanes defense, which was susceptible in the back end. They're not the greatest defensive backfield, but my first kind of feeling before we heard about Max Johnson getting uh, uh, being selected to start for the game was that Haynes King probably would still have a, you know a kind of an up and down day and probably turn the ball over a couple times against Miami just because of kind of their history defensively. They are a turnover uh, heavy t- uh, defense, and that's kind of the mindset they come in with. And so, I mean, that was the first thing I saw with Max is that I don't care, care about the numbers because we knew the offense was not going to be extremely prolific in the passing game uh, because of, you know, I think we're going to talk about this a little later, but because of these suspensions game of both uh, two of the freshman wide receivers, Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall, who, as we have seen the first two games, are the best separators, best deep threats on this team. And that's going to hurt a brand new quarterback coming in. I mean, he only played a little bit in the Sam Houston State in cleanup duty. So this was his first uh, career start with A and M. But overall, I was very, very pleased. And he was he he engineered three scoring drives. Uh, one was one was a uh, twenty six yard run with Devon chain, which. They kind of dinked and ducked down the field. They ran the ball pretty well, and I think the and going back first it was the opening drive field goal, which Max just looked extremely comfortable to start. And I mean, he was hitting his reads. He was he wasn't scared when when, uh, when well, let's just say not not scared. He showed great poise in the pocket. Let's just say that. And when r- the rush was coming at him, and the the uh, Miami D line, which is very deep and talented, fast. They were coming at him all night, and some of that was the O line, but a lot of that was we knew we knew the depth, and we knew that they rotated a lot, and that pressure was going to come no matter how uh, great the Aggies O line played. So Max, he he did a good job controlling controlling the pocket, and and um, and the confidence there was some, was the other part of it that I just you know gives me great hope going forward that this is finally the quarterback that this twenty twenty two Texas A and M team needs. And they need somebody who may not be the flashiest, but he's going to give you what you need offensively. He's going to use the weapons that are there, and he's hopefully going to move them forward and, you know, help them um, and help this defense as well. Help this defense not have to, you know, basically play the role of hero throughout the game and, and keep the score down because that's what they kind of had to do in this game towards the end. And, and that, I wouldn't blame Max Johnson for that. I would blame a lot of other things on offense, but, uh, but overall just, I'd give him a, give him a B plus to an A with, with what I saw on Saturday.
0: Yeah. I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most is when you contrast the environment that he was playing in, you know, nighttime game, Kyle field, 107,000 plus people there, ESPN, you know, the big primetime game of the of the day, and you contrast that with the environment that Haynes King played in the week before against App State in a 2 o'clock in the afternoon kickoff, you know, on SEC Network or ESPN News or something <laughs> like that. Um, and then you contrast the way that those two guys handled those environments. Uh, I said a few times last week that the environment of the App State game felt like it was too big for for Haynes King. And not once did the environment on Saturday night look like it was too big for Max Johnson. And that contrast, to me, says everything that we need to know because those environments and those games, the importance of them is only going to continue to ratchet up even higher as we go, you know, we're going to go from Kyle Field with 100,000-plus people to AT&T Stadium with 100,000-plus people and this time it's not going to be 95% friendly. It's going to be probably pretty close to 50-50. And he's going to have a lot more to deal with. But we've now seen he can handle the big environment. Um, and obviously we we had some assurances that he would be able to because of the fact that, you know, he had done it at LSU. The environment there in a primetime game is as good as any in the country. and um, And he had done it there we knew he'd be able to do it at AM. and And it was nice to see it play out. Like you said, only completed 50% of his passes, only threw for 140 yards and a touchdown, but it was the poise to be able to put the team in position that they needed to put them in um, and do it without creating opportunities for the opponent, that there were plenty of chances where he could have made the wrong throw or been too aggressive, especially in a game, like you mentioned, where he was down some a little bit in terms of playmakers. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah, you're, you hit, you hit it on the, you hit the
1: nail on the head. I mean, this is, that's the thing. It's you take his experience away from LSU and that that's one of the things when it, when, it, when the game started, I just didn't worry about him at all in that environment because he's used to it. And he's also got a father, and Brad Johnson, who I think many know, was a Super Bowl-winning quarterback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and one of the toughest quarterbacks to ever play the game. That his dad is is uh, is coaching him as well, and you could see him from uh, from the um, uh, from in the in the in the stadium. They kind of peered in the camera, and I mean, he's you could tell he's coaching his son, you know, just yeah. kind of kind of critiquing him, you know, and that that's that's just somebody that you know, I think Aggie fans and everybody just saw and went, you know, man, I, I don't worry about this guy because yeah. he's got control of this offense. And that's the biggest thing that was lacking with Haynes King it's, and nothing against Haynes King. Haynes King is a smart young man and he's very, very talented, but you're right. It just goes back to, is the moment too big? And the moment, I don't think any moment going forward is going to be too big for Max Johnson. And
0: that, that is, that is what this team needs right now. Absolutely. For a team as talented as this one, you just need a quarterback, and this is used as a um, as a derogatory term for quarterbacks a lot of times. But you just need a quarterback who will manage the game the right way, who will keep your team in the right situations, keep them out of the really terrible negative situations, and allow your team, allow the talent on your team to manifest itself on the field. And he he was able to do that on Saturday, and there's a lot of confidence he'll be able to do it on future Saturdays in future weeks as well. Yeah. All right. Number two on your list of five things that we learned, Texas A&M's offensive line is still marred by inconsistency. Talk to me about the offensive line. What did we see there on Saturday? Yeah. So, I mean, it,
1: it's it's kind of something that we're going to be talking about this every week, I think, throughout the season. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but – um, we haven't seen a great kind of cohesive unit that just, you know, didn't make a lot of little mistakes, showed up every Saturday playing together. There were no communication issues since I think the 2020 team. I think that was the best offensive line they had had in a while. And this the nine-in-one season that came from that, a lot of that came from the offensive line. It came from Kellen Mon didn't have to worry about getting sacked all the time. And D- Kellen Mond had time to work through his progressions. And that's that is going to be I don't I don't know if it's going to be an a issue every single week. I just think throughout the season, depending on the matchup, and they're going to face some tough defensive fronts coming up. Um, Arkansas is always pretty talented in their defensive line group. You have to play Mississippi State on the road, who we have. We saw, I think, last weekend against LSU. That's a tough defense. And then obviously Alabama and someone like Will Anderson. That's that's going to be tough. But. Look, the the bright spot, I guess you could say, is that they have a lot of depth, and they have started to, I think, find their starting group. I think um, they have rotated a lot of a couple of guys in with Jordan Moko, uh, Akia Abougier. I think they, they kind of rotated them in uh, to let in left guard, and so they're still trying to figure things out. Which you know what, I understand that that half of the line is pretty brand new. And so Bryce Foster, though, coming back and, you know, I could talk about Bryce all day. This is, a, this is one of my favorite players in years. I love this kid. And, you know, he he played his butt off, you know, on Saturday night and he was in some pain. He had said on social media, that was one of the toughest kind of physical games I played in a while. And a lot of people obviously took that as, well, why did you play that? Well, no, that, it's football. It, it's hard. I think, you know, I can, I can use the example of Micah Parsons uh, against the Bengals. You know, he kind of tweaked his ankle a little bit. And, and they had asked him about that. He was in the locker room and, you know, Micah gave that great answer of his football, you know, I, I'm fine. You know, I gotta, I gotta help my team. And there, there are bad injuries and there are nicks and bruises and these guys play through it. But I think going back to that point is that he's, that is the central communicator on this line. He's one of the most trusted linemen on this team aside from Layden Robinson, who's obviously a preseason All-American candidate. And, you know, the, one of the leaders that are looking towards, uh, you know, towards this season, but yeah, the rotations and the communication issues, and obviously having a new quarterback in there, Max Johnson, getting a full, a second full week, I would think, of Max taking the primary first team snaps, I think is going to help a lot. And I think just got the, let's, you know, Bryce Foster, Leighton Robinson, and Ruben Fowlerly are all proven starters, and all three started last year together. So they understand what's going on. It's just that left side that, you know, just, you know, they, they just give them some time. They're talented enough. They're big guys too. This is the thing, I, you know. Some defensive fronts are going to match up with them, you know, pound for pound. You know, d- just depending on the matchup, but most of the time they're going to outsize a lot of guys, and that's that's the advantage they have. They just have to use it, and that's I think that's what a lot of people who have watched the film and kind of looked, got in depth, watch, uh, you know, seeing what their problems are. And a lot of it, I think, is just communication issues. I, I that's what I think. And I think that can be fixed and that can be fixed with coaching. And again, they have a offensive line coach in Steve Adazio, who we've said on this podcast a couple of times is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. He will fix this. I I have belief that he'll fix this. It's just personally being realistic. They're going to have some issues here and there most weeks. You know, I think they'll have games down the line where it's just perfect. It looks fantastic. And then, you know, the week after, they'll have those same kind of issues that come up. And that's football. That's how it works. But um, the great thing is, if you're looking towards 2023, just think that most, almost all these guys will be back. And those communication issues and everything else that's that's hurting them right now should be next, should be fixed. And so that's, that's something to look forward to.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest point is you have, it, for 2022, you have a new offensive line coach. You have a new quarterback, and your third game of the year was the first game that you played with your starting center. Um, And so when you have all of those things combined together, combined with some rotation at left guard, there had been rotation at right guard in past weeks, you're going to get some inconsistencies, some miscommunications. You're going to have a tough time dealing with defensive lines with lots of movement, things like that. But just by plugging Bryce Foster in, you stabilize things quite a bit. You get that another couple of weeks. You get familiarity between the coach and the players, and he knows what he has, what works with these guys, what doesn't work with these guys. All this stuff should smooth out over the course of the next few weeks, and you would hope that you get some experience for these young players. You get the cohesiveness of the center, the quarterback, the offensive line coach, all these guys working together, and you're able to get into a much better situation on the offensive line. 100%, but my, Yeah. Yeah, my, yeah.
1: That's my, that's really my last, well, yeah, my last point, you know, it it's going to take some time, but just be excited because they are recruiting at a high level on the offensive line. We, we've talked about some of the guys they've, they've gotten for the 23 class. This offensive line is not going to be an issue in the future. This, right. th- this was somewhat expected. So, th- but it's not going to destroy their team and and um, and they have the pieces there so it's not something to sweat over too much
0: absolutely speaking of sweating these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available and that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's extremely easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions, and I've talked about this before, about how much of a difference the screening screening questions make, not just from a hiring standpoint, but from a job candidate standpoint. It's an amazing difference maker that sets your job apart from other jobs when you ask the right type of screening questions. And they make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's important to finish out the year strong and the right team member can help you do that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. As we get back to the five things that we learned in this AM Miami matchup, we're going to get to the offensive playmakers. And we learned on Saturday, according to you, Cameron, that Devon A. Chain and Aniah Smith are the straws that stir the drink offensively for A&M. Talk to me about the two playmakers for the Aggies.
1: Well, yeah, I loved my little pun there. That was <laughs> very creative by me. No, but uh, <laughs> the, these guys were, were the offense essentially on, on Saturday. And, I mean, we we saw the the, the... – <laughs> God, the shiftiness of Anaya Smith just in the open field, man. He was he was just beautiful to watch. And and of course, he was the best, he was the number one target all night. And I mean that that's not taking anything away from Chase Lane and Yule Keith Brown. They were on tight coverage and uh there were some separation issues most of the night, but when they needed offense, those two, I mean, every time they needed uh to pick up yards. Pick up, uh move the chains. I mean, they were everywhere. I think they combined. I think I'd, yeah, they combined for 204 yards out of like 276 on the day or something. It was it's pretty nuts. I mean, that's that's what this team needs though, because there are going to be injuries. There are going to be issues where you need those leaders to step up and and take over. And that's what they had to do on Saturday. I think they knew that's what they had to do on Saturday. It was kind of great that a nice Smith in the press conference on Monday, you know, basically talked about how uh, Jimbo asked them to talk to, to decide the suspensions per game. And that tells you that a, that's one of your primary leaders on the team. B he understood that these guys that got in trouble, they need to learn a quick lesson and understand that, you know, they're not going to be there for us. So that's going to take something away from us offensively. So me and Devin need to step up completely. And and going to Devin O'Chain, obviously, I don't think I need to talk too much about him. We know how good he is. Uh, you know, scored the scored the uh one of two touchdowns in the game. There's a 26 yard uh rushing touchdowns, beautiful moves and good blocking by the O line. And, you know, just picked up the picked up those hard yards all night. And he didn't have the best blocking. He did not have the best run blocking all night. But as shifty as he is as as um as quick as he is the the footwork the speed you don't have to worry about him especially when he hits the open field he has he can score anywhere on the field and obviously in the kick return game he you know he was somewhat impactful again and he's impactful every game there so i mean these are two players who you know for the fun of it i just mentioned it but i don't think i really need to mention it too much you know that they're going to show up every saturday And when we go forward every week preparing for matchups and looking at the defense, these are two guys that, look, I'm not going to say they're indefensible. They can't, you know, you can't defend them, but they're going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs on Saturday. It's what the other guys are going to (laughs) do. That's the thing. Right. So I think, I think for Max Johnson as well is that's fantastic. That's great that when he was at LSU, um, he did. He had a number one, and that number one got hurt, and that hurt him throughout the season. So he knows that going into going into the starting role, he's got a nice Smith in the passing game, and he doesn't have to worry about you know the backfield. He doesn't have to worry about the run game because he's got Devin O'Chain. So I mean, this is as basic as it gets. But these are two guys who every week were just lucky we have them, and we know that you know depending on. Depending on how the game goes, they're going to pick it up whenever. We don't have to worry about those two.
0: Right. And speaking of the other guys, your next point (laughs) in the five things that we learned is the offense sure did miss Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall on Saturday. For a little bit of context, Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall were among the four true freshmen who made a mistake. They're kids. They broke curfew Friday night before the game. They were caught breaking curfew out after hours. And as Cameron mentioned a minute ago, Coach Fisher went to the leadership group of the team and said, hey, this is what's going on. We need to figure out what we're going to do. Probably came with them to, cert, uh, to a certain idea. I'm thinking we're probably going to do this. What do you guys think? The, apparently the leadership group agreed he was going to suspend those four players the other two being Denver Harris and Smoke Bowie on the defensive side of the ball. He was going to suspend those players for the game. And as you mentioned, the offense certainly did miss those two. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the the biggest thing, and I I
1: briefly mentioned that, um, that the separation from the wide receivers was pretty, pretty horrid all night. I mean, aside from a nice Smith who got free a couple of times on some slants and and some crossers, I mean, he, he, he was he was really the entire pass game for the offense. I mean that's that's great to see for him, but it's not great to see overall. So uh, having having Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall back for this Arkansas matchup against what is a pretty weak uh, pass defense as we've seen is is huge and it's huge for Max Johnson who uh, finally gets his, his full arsenal for this matchup and so he he does not have a lack of weapons. And I think that means that Jimbo Fisher can open the offense up more, get some deep shots in there. But I don't think he's going to have to worry about the little things and and getting those chunk yards hit and and um, hitting hitting the underneath portion of the field and and really not worrying about you know corners sticking on these guys and just not having really any any time. Um, or having time to process, go through his pro- her progressions. And yeah, it's just the benefit of having that speed and athleticism, both on the outside and just generally in the passing game. So,
0: yeah, I, I think the thing, if you look at the AM offense against Miami, it looked a lot like the AM offense for the last couple of years looked in that the passing game flowed through Anaya Smith, the running game was good. Um, but not ultra dynamic just because of the fact that, like you said, the, the blocking wasn't maybe as high level as it has been the last couple of years. But Devon A. Chain was able to make some plays. Anais Smith was able to make some plays. But we've seen the first couple of weeks of the season what having Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall on the field does. We saw both of those guys in the first game put up good numbers against Sam Houston State. We saw Chris Marshall running wide open, deep in the Appalachian State secondary for a touchdown that would have probably been the difference in them winning that game um, if Haynes King would have been able to hit him in, on that play. Um, and there was almost none of that against uh, against Miami. Everything was everything that was successful was pretty much to Anaya Smith, and it was you know underneath or intermediate areas of the field, and then Anaya Smith making something magical happen. All right, let's get to your last point here. We're going to shift sides of the ball for the first time. Um, and this is that a defense showing some shades of the wrecking crew will keep the Aggies in every game this season.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. It, when I say shades of wrecking crew, I think we do this, and I think it kind of prefaces, we do this pretty much every year. We're, we're wanting that wrecking crew-like defensive effort effort and they showed that 100%. I mean they they gave it their all in that game but they they now have the talent and they're getting guys back to to put up those kind of wrecking crew type numbers against teams that are offensively prolific. I mean so that's going to be the interesting part. And they they went against a Hurricanes offense that was averaging 50 yards per game or 50 points per game. Sorry about that. Um, and obviously, uh, quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke, who you know has gotten a lot of NFL draft buzz as one of the top quarterbacks in the country going to the draft next year. So I mean, that that part of it is that um, the the defense overall just stepped up completely with the. Injuries and the two targeting calls that took out Damani Richardson and Brian George from the game, it, I think it was before, before halftime. It was before and the end of the
0: first quarter. Before yeah. the
1: end of the first quarter, yeah. It'd be so, and we were all worried about that because you lose your starting strong safety and you lose a very reliable corner with a lot of experience in this defense. And they're just down bodies. And you could tell at um, – at the end of the game, the attrition had set in. These guys were getting tired. Poor Antonio Johnson was making play after play, and he kind of stayed on the ground a little longer, just, just wiped. And that, but that that's what I mean by the effort, the wrecking crew type of effort. These guys were relentless. They did not stop, uh, stop, excuse me. Um, to the freshman that I pointed out, who just played brilliantly and his beautiful performance um was Bryce Anderson at safety. He had kind of taken over for Damani Richardson and Shamar Stewart who was held the entire night. I mean, if you rewatch that game, that th- he would have had I think 3 sacks on the game if they would have been fair. I mean, this that's the thing and it's it's the talent showed, but the relentlessness from young guys like that, from those freshmen who just kept going and going and going and they they kept this this offense that had been destroying those the first two teams they played. Uh, from reaching the end zone. I mean, they only scored nine points off of three field goals. One was blocked by Albert Regis. So that's another guy we should mention is Albert Regis who had a a big night. Who's also a freshman. So the, the great thing about this defense is that we know what we're going to get from the veterans. We didn't get to see that with the Richardson getting kicked down, Brian George getting kicked out, but uh, guys like McKinley Jackson, who still are slow to getting back, they should be. He should be full to go for Arkansas. Having those leaders back, we expect greatness from those guys. What we didn't, we expected flashes, I think, from this twenty twenty two recruiting class. But what we've seen are guys that are playing like veterans right now. Bryce Anderson finished the game, I think, with eight tackles. He had a couple plays that were highlight worthy throughout that game. It, he his pursuit in the back end, getting in the backfield was, was impressive. And I mean, this is the future, but this is also the present. These guys are going to play a lot of snaps. And to be honest, coming out of that game, I was less worried about this team. And I had been worried about this team, obviously after the Appalachian state loss, but you know, a lot of people had, had wrote this week, written this week that AM you know, needs to keep playing desperate kind of football because that's how they approach Miami and if they keep going into each game this season with that with that type of approach, you know, they have a chance every game. I just I don't think you need to do that because I think you have a re- very reliable defense that's getting healthier and healthier each week. And they're they're going to be one of the best defenses they've had in a while, I think this year, because you just combined the veteran experience and the talent and the fact that you're getting this much out of your young, talented players says a lot. And it's got me very, very excited
0: absolutely and the thing that's interesting about this defense is that they've managed to play at this really high level and keep teams from scoring points without and um without an overwhelming pass rush which is usually the one of the the characteristics of one of these mm-hmm. off of these defenses that just completely shut people down it's mm-hmm. just the ability to just harass quarterbacks all day long mm-hmm. and that's something that they haven't done yet in in terms of a lot of, and a lot of their, their pass rushers are younger guys. You mentioned Shamar Stewart earlier, LT Overton's getting a lot of run for a a true freshman who should still be a senior in high school. (laughs) Uh, But they, they haven't yet gotten that overwhelming pass rush. So it will be interesting to see how that pass rush develops throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, zero. Yeah. My last zero sacks in the game.
1: So when you see that number, you're kind of thinking, well, how's that possible? It's the bend, but don't break mentality. I think DJ Durkin has done a fantastic job of telling those guys, look, it doesn't matter about these numbers. You're going to get your sacks. You're going to get your interceptions. You're going to get your turnovers. Bend, but don't break, put your will on them and and make them know that they can't get past you and that you're never going to give up against them. I mean, it's
0: beautiful to see. So absolutely. We're going to look forward towards Arkansas a little bit, but first I'm going to tell you guys about bet online our friends at Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Cameron, we did this last week where we used the betting lines from our friends over at Bet Online as our way of previewing the upcoming game. So we're going to do the same exercise this week as AM prepares to go to. Arlington to AT&T Stadium to take on Arkansas in the Southwest Classic. And the spread for this week is currently at BetOnline at Texas A&M minus one and a half. Tell me what you think about the line. Tell me what you think about is it too close? Does the number Should the number be bigger? Do you think A&M should be underdogs? How do you think this game should play out based on that spread? Well, I think I think the line is pretty accurate right now because of the history
1: of the matchup, and I think that's what they're looking at. You know, because on paper, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, not I guess. I mean, you, you could say A and is a better team overall from roster to, you know, head coach to coordinators. I, guess. I mean, you can say that. You know, just from that perspective. But yeah, I think they're looking at the the history that every single year. It's come down to the wire. A&M has owned this rivalry as of late, but they have never really blown out Arkansas. I mean, they have... I, I've i got to think back when uh, Brandon Allen was there. I mean, th- there's a lot... There, there have been a lot of matchups in the years where, you know, A&M would be up, you know, t- three, cu- three scores, two scores, and Arkansas would just come back all the... Just come all the way back at the end of the game, make it tough, you know, have to basically have to either win by a field goal or a defensive stop. And it, it gets crazy there. And a, and a lot of it I think is that this is a neutral site game. It really is a neutral site game. It's a, it's going to be pretty much 50, 50. You've got a lot of Arkansas people who live in the Dallas area and, um, and yeah, A&M will travel. The 12th man will travel. Well, obviously it's so not very far, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think they're basing that line off of their history and just how close the games
0: have been. Absolutely. And it's, if it comes down to most of these games, at least from, the, from the, the previewing standpoint and the analysis standpoint, comes down to which team has the better quarterback. And I think at this point, you've got to lean K.J. Jefferson over Max Johnson, even though we think Max is doing a great job for his mm-hmm. role with the Aggies. But K.J. Jefferson is absolutely a more dynamic player than Max Johnson is. So even if A&M has the more talented roster overall, Vegas is going to place the two of them closely because of the fact that Arkansas does have the quarterback advantage. And like you said, this is truly neutral. It's not that much further from the Arkansas state line to Dallas than it is from college station to Dallas. So yeah, these, these teams are are very close together and we know that it's Arkansas. Jerry Jones owns the stadium. It's, there's going to be some Arkansas folks there. Um, It will be a neutral site game. Um, the over-under point total for the game is 48 and a half. So that means that they are inferring basically that a should win the game by something like 25 to 23 and a half or so. Or 24 and a half to 23. Somewhere in that yeah. neighborhood um or would be 25 and a half to yeah 20 25 to 23 and a half i think is the right way to say that line implied point total there what do you think about that over over under number where do you think that lands how how do you think that plays out yeah
1: i think it's pretty similar to the miami game that was pretty very similar over under there i think it was 45 i I believe yeah, yeah yeah and i mean that again that makes sense it's 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 two SEC opponent. It's two SEC opponents that are not fans of each other. They they always open the season against each other. They always they you know they want to play their hardest to prove their worth in the SEC. You know Arkansas especially, like you said, is a KJ Jefferson led offense. He's he has reached that uh, status in his uh, career with Arkansas. He's the leader of that team. He is, hey, let's just go back to my the straw that stirs the drink. He essentially is that for, for the Razorbacks. And head coach Sam Pittman is in his uh, third year, I think, with the team? I believe so, yes. first season, yeah. I mean, and they had one of the most successful seasons last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. AM is coming off of a big win, obviously, and they're trying to still turn their season around, get back on track. They're going to be very, very tough. Like we, like we just talked about in the last segment with the defense. I think that defense is going to travel very, very well. And I think uh, obviously Vegas and everybody knows that, you know, a offensively is getting their weapons back with Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall. I think that's going to change some things offensively for AM. You're getting Max Johnson in his second full start. He's got some experience under his belt. He feels comfortable. So I think, uh, I think they see it as being a very, very close contest being a maybe a quarterback duel uh, at the end of the game, or maybe this is one of those games where, um, you know, a nice, uh, or I'm sorry, Devin Shane breaks out finally and has a great, has a great running day. Or like I said, it's maybe it's just a, a, a game where KJ Jefferson does everything for Arkansas and AM's more balanced attack. So I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I don't know if I'd ever bet on this game because I've watched it every year And it's very, very hard to to sit there and look at everything that we use to to um, to kind of estimate how these these games are going to go. And you just you have no idea. I mean, it's kind of pulling a rabbit out of
0: of the hat. I mean, it's it's one of those games. So absolutely. And I think one of the things you're going to notice as we go through these lines over the course of the year is that it's going to take a lot for for you to see a game get up get a line, a point line, a point total over 50 points in a game that a in because we've talked about this defense a lot. And, I mean, the most anybody scored on them is 17 points, and it took everything that Appalachian State had to get to 17 points. Oh. And so, you know, Miami only got to nine. Sam Houston didn't score at all. Like, it's going to be really difficult to score on a with any consistency. And you combine that with the fact that A and M at this point hasn't shown any evidence that they're going to be the kind of offense that's going to go run out and drop forty on somebody. Um, you're not you're not going to see a seventy point line in an A and M game right now because of the combination of the defense that's not going to let very many people score a whole lot on them, and an offense that's not going to go out and drop sixty on somebody. Like Alabama has, or Ohio State has, or something like that. Some of these non-conference games. Yeah. So, <clears throat> oh yeah. Sorry about that.
1: Yep. So the the kind of last point I'll make is that yeah, you look back at last year's matchup, and it was a Zach Calzada led Texas A&M offense, and that was one of the weirdest games we had seen. This was an Arkansas team that was very talented, coming off of a win against Texas, which was one of their biggest wins in school history, and basically they showed up with the number one wide receiver in Traylon Burks. And KJ Jefferson was playing at a high level. And that game really came down to turnovers, bad quarterback play for AM. Um, you know, it was very, it's very low scoring. I think it was like a 20 to 20 to 13, 20 to 10 game. And that's that's also what we could see. It's 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 just based on uh you know, who really shows up that day. I mean, honestly, that's how I kind of look at it, because we've had big performances from uh, Kellen Mott in the past at quarterback against Arkansas. Um, but yeah, it's unknown for him right now with, with Max Johnson. So we, we kind of go into that thinking he'll be better, but it really, yeah, like I said, it just depends who shows up.
0: So. Absolutely. Guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for making locked on Aggies. Your first listen. I am your host, Joey Ikes. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cameron honesty. The last name is O-H-N-Y-S-T-Y. You can find both of our writing at Today.com. You can follow the show at LockedOnAggies on Twitter. And please go find us on YouTube, LockedOnAggies as well. Subscribe to the channel there. Hit the little notification bell so you get notified every time we post a new video. Find us on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a five-star rating and a review there. Please, thank you so much for following the show, for helping us grow it. Now that you've made Locked On Aggies your first listen, go check out Locked On SEC, where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes or less. That's Locked On SEC. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you tomorrow.